Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast, episode number 288, with the one and only three times on the podcast now, and this is so exciting, my good friend, we've never met though, but one day we will, Professor Alison James, how are you? Wow, what, what a welcome, thank you so much, Dale, I am really, really well, and I'm so pleased to be on your show again, uh, like you say, three times a charm, and it's great to be invited back, because we always have we always have conversations that, that we never want to end, so it's really no, good to we... be able to have a chance to catch up again. So true, so true, and I know we've just spoken for a long time before we actually started, and I think when you find people that uh, you got very similar interest to and passion in the world, um, conversation just flows. So I am beyond excited to talk about your book that you released last year. And I know so much work went into it and um, the value of playing higher education, but realistically I've read through this and it's more about how play can help any adult in any learning situation. Um, yeah. How since releasing it, and we're going to talk a lot about it, um, how proud have you been of what you've been able to create? Well, actually, and, and I say this without any shred of, of of arrogance actually I'm, I'm hugely proud and I Good. think I can I can say that though because I had three years of dread and panic when you're working on something and I don't know if you ever had the dark night of the soul Dale but I'm sure your <laughs> listeners can relate is you know when you're working on something and you're finding lots of stuff but you're not sure are you finding the right stuff does anybody care what's this going to look like what difference are you making you know and there are some days when you have that euphoric moment you think oh my god this is great I found a breakthrough I've found an angle I've found something new and other days when you just go this is just a pile of garbage what am I doing <laughs> um, nobody's nobody's going to read it it's all going to be terrible blah 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 and then I think it's just you know you you start pulling it together and as you start seeing it take on a coherence and also because you've read so much stuff and you've talked to so many people and it's been your mission if you like academically for the last god knows how many years you start feeling that sense that actually if I can re release this into the wild and I'm happy with it, then, then I know I know it will be okay. And actually what has made me so happy has been just, it's just had an amazing response. Um, you know, it's, it's never going to be in the Amazon top three bestsellers. You know, <laughs> I'm never going to win the Booker Prize. It's not that kind of thing, but I think, what has mattered so much is number one, being able to make it available for free because I've written books in the past where we've been so thrilled to have an esteemed academic publisher, but then they, for all sorts of reasons in their pricing algorithm, they put a price on the book, which means it's not really sustainable for, for you know, and when, if I say your everyday teacher, I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but I mean, you know, most of us who don't have a massive spare book budget, um, you know, and so I think that has been a source of concern for me in the past is that quite often academic books come with a high, high price tag. I think the lovely thing is if, if you give something for free, people are much more likely to use it. They're incredibly grateful. They send you lovely messages and then they go and use it and they share it with their friends because, you know, let's face it, we all love a bargain. I know I do. You know, <laughs> we do. I love a freebie. Um, but I think people have, and I've, we will talk more about the book, but I think the important thing for me is as I, as I pulled the book together, I, I wanted it so much to not be the kind of academic treatise that says, this is my position, this is the only way to see the world um, and, and try and kind of almost like an act of politics, you know, berate somebody into thinking, you know, oh, I have to think like Alison James. It can't be a dialogue because it's just me and the reader. And, and unless we, we talk on email or, or at conferences or whatever, we don't necessarily have a back and forth. But it is very much to say, you know, I found this 
What do you think of this? How does it relate to your world? Because I think if there's one thing that has really been hammered home in the research is it's the complexity of play and the contextual nature of play. You know, your favorite form of play, my favorite form of play may be diametrically opposed. What you think is right in a certain situation, I think is right in my situation, may be diametrically opposed. And neither of us are wrong. And it's got to vibe with who we are as well. You know, you, I've seen your TED talk, you are this wonderful kangaroo style tigger style you know bouncy bouncy guy and and that's you and that totally chimes with who you are for somebody else they might want to be much more quiet and contained and that chimes with who they are so it's about it's about being authentic and playing in the way that's right for you and I think one of the things I found in doing the research is there are just so many kinds of play and and you know we can we can be selective you know and I think when we don't know much about play or we don't think about play very much we get caught up in some quite superficial myths and thinkings about play that that mean our ideas are quite fixed and I think if there's one thing I hope for the book is that it it it, it gives or 300 and something pages of stuff to anybody who's, you know, strong-willed enough to wade through it all. I recommend lots of tea and biscuits. Um, <laughs> but they can hop in and out wherever they want. They can take what they want. And hopefully by the end of it, they can sit back and go, oh my God, there's so much more to play than I realized. And it's relevant in all aspects of my life if I want it to be wherever I am. God, that sounded really evangelical, didn't it? No, 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 no. I've got a couple of things from that, Alison. First, you should be bloody proud. And it should be something that we should just be proud of things we do. For some reason, we actually, when we say that, we say, oh, yeah, but um, we should just be proud and you should be proud. So well done. And the second thing is when you're just saying all of that, the best thing and I loved about the book and I love about playing it, that's, Play is different to everybody and play doesn't judge. Um, like, And I know, so you, you had participants from over 20 countries. You did 120 surveys. You had 65 interviews. I bet not one of them was the same. No, no, they really weren't. And it was interesting because you do, there were recurrent themes and there were some issues, but, um, and I tried really hard in the book to make it a kind of conversational tone. There is a little bit of kind of academic writing in there, but I hope it's the palatable sort, not the kind of sort that keeps everybody at arm's length. (laughs) Uh, It certainly wasn't about dumbing down, but it was about trying to be as engaging as possible. Um, But I ended up with this, this phrase called polarities of play, because if you think of the two poles, opposing poles, you know, you had, it didn't matter what aspect of play you thought about, somebody somewhere would, would, would feel entirely opposite to what somebody else felt. So they may still believe that play had value, but the, what form it took would be very different. So take competitive play. You had loads of people answering surveys and uh, talking to me in interviews and saying, oh my God, competitive play, absolutely marvelous. You know, it's so inspiring. Students get motivated, winning and losing, leaderboards, prizes, blah, blah, blah. And then you get the other side of the coin, people going, absolutely not. My students are already far too competitive. They don't need, you know, it will bring out the worst in them. They don't need any more of that stuff. What I want them to think about is how we can play cooperatively or collaboratively so that we all, we all win, if you like. And that's a form of play that I absolutely love, you know, but I, I've got friends who, who, who look at that and think, absolutely not. It's all about winning and losing. So, you know, it's just, it's just people feel differently about things. Another one that came up, which is quite an important one, I think, is there's a very strong uh, theme through the, the positive literature around play, which is, you know, play is a leveler, play is non-hierarchical, it breaks down bar- barriers, it, it, it connects people. Absolutely, all of that. But equally correctly, you get another group of people who say, depending on the kind of play you use, if somebody hasn't ever played that way before, if they don't have the cultural capital or the background or the education or the history or the social understanding that helps them get, you know, the in-jokes or whatever, um, then then actually play can be very excluding. You know, if you if you haven't got that sort of thing, if you think 
a, a parallel. It's not play as we know it, perhaps. But if you think about, you know, the office water cooler moment. Oh, did you see the episode of so-and-so last night? And if there's a few in-jokes about, I don't know, a TV series or a did you watch the game or a whatever, whatever. And that's absolutely fine for the people who know what that person's talking about. And for the people who doesn't watch it, wasn't there, et cetera, et cetera, they're right on the outside and they can't participate in the conversation. So I think that there are, you know, there are so many wonderful positives around play. And I think what you you said about, you know, play not judging, I really love because play in and of itself is neither good or bad. Play is play, but it's how we handle it, how we engage in it, how we enable people to play when we decide to play, when we don't, um, that that really will influence whether people have a good play experience or or, or not. Um, and I think that when we're in any kind of educational setting, even informal learning, you know, we don't have to be on a course or on a training, you know, event or, uh, or studying for, for something in a formal way. Um, you know, that's, that, that all those sort of influences are at work. So, yeah. I, and I love that. And I think when it, I, and I'm, I don't want to make this about me, Alison, but as you were just talking about that. I would go for it, people, Dale. No, 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 but, no, but it, oh, just something that it, it's, I find this really tough. And obviously I run intentional play workshops where I've got a routine and I break people down slowly to make it feel safe. And I get them doing, being quite vulnerable by the end. One of the things that, mm. like what you just said before around the water cooler with the TV episode or the game or whatever, Normally, most of the time, people will turn up, one or two people might turn up a little bit late. And my routine, the first four activities I do, Alison, if they turn up, you know, for miss two of them or something, I've already yeah. built such a connection with yeah. the group and it you can't go back. Um, no. Like, no. This is, I, and then you see that person and I haven't wanted to do this, but they're an outlier. Exactly like what you're saying, you know, and yeah. you can't change that. I, I don't really know where this question's going, but as you're talking about that, it, that's the one thing I find really challenging that you can never yeah. ever, you, you can't take back what's done and you can't make it a per, play isn't perfect, but like, no. you know, no. like, it, no. I don't know if you get sort of what I'm saying or where I'm going, but um, that's something I really struggle no, with I because. I, I I want those people to experience what the other people have and feel the feeling they're having, but you can't, yeah. can you? I, I, no. that's, that and it make I'm getting edgy now because I I can see people's faces that has happened to, and I feel so bad. But you don't. I don't think you need to feel bad. There were so many things that 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 sort of spinning through my head as you were saying all of that, and I can totally relate. You know, if we if if I'm running a Lego series play workshop, or if I, you know, um, Lego series play is a very systematic um, set of applications, and it starts off with skills building, and then and then it's really important that everybody is present and they build and share throughout the length of the workshop. And I have had the same challenge as you as impressing on people. Number one, do not arrive late because that's when we do the skills building if you yeah. miss the skills building it's harder for you to play catch up later on and not only do you perhaps not always sometimes people you know come and then they're instantly committed and they they they, they catch on very quickly and they participate very fully but if they don't do that not only do they have a lesser experience but also they can affect the experience of other people oh, around the table yes. And, yes. and that and that's that I don't think is fair. Now, I have a, a my lovely colleague uh, used to always say to me, EasyJet, Alison, EasyJet, you know, the, the pilot's not going to be on the runway and, and with you running with your bags down the hall going, <laughs> look, I'll be there in a minute. I'm just going to get a coffee and I've just got to quickly send an email, but, but I'll be there. So could you just hang on? Absolutely not. The pilot's going to take <laughs> off. And, you know, and so I think there is a part of us that has to do our best to say you know in this play space these are these are the rules of engagement you know we're not we're not trying to be bossy boots but actually for your benefit and the benefit of everybody we will be starting at nine we will be doing these things nature of the beast is we can't necessarily repeat some of those things for for th those of you who can't turn up on on time so please either make sure that you can commit to the full time or choose a day, come to another session when you can commit, if this is not right for you. The other one that I've had to be quite firm with um, when people are attending facilitator training, for example, because I do 
Lego-based facilitator training online with a Danish company interface. And um, you'll get people saying, oh, no, no I, yeah, no, it's fine. I can do the two days, but I've just got a meeting at three. <laughs> so I'm just going to nip out for an hour and then I'll be back. No, <laughs> no, commit to the two days or don't, you know, and 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 then then you feel I end up feeling uncomfortable because I just think, please don't make me be that person. I don't want mm. to be that person. I don't want to be the person who's actually already turning this not into a play event by being very school mommy about you must do this and you must do that. But the other thought that I would say is I think at the end of the day, yes, we can all be terribly unlucky. You know, we can run for the bus, the car will blow a tire. Um, something, you know, something will happen. We know that life happens. But at the end of the day, people have choices. They choose to the best of their ability. We all choose, we all make the best effort that we can to make sure we're there on time, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we prioritize something else. That quick email we send in the corridor, the check-in with whoever, you know, our mother, or our dad, our cousin, our, our brother, whatever, um, extending the coffee break a little bit. You know, we are making choices and we are prioritizing something else over our availability to play. If we are an outlier in a situation, it might be because that we are uncomfortable, but it may also be that we are choosing not to trust in the moment, which is that we are there. Actually, I've done it, Dale. You know, I'm not being pious here. I've been that person where I've been in a room and thought, oh, I don't want to do this. But actually, I always get more out of it if I go, oh, my God, what the hell? I'm just going to do this. And what's the worst that can happen? And the worst yeah. never happens. Never. Um, and so, you know, I think, yes, I think play. The other thing, sorry, this is such a rambly answer. No, to, but my to your question, I didn't even answer. I didn't even give you a question. I just rambled at you. And no, no, no. So I'm enjoying no, this. It, Keep going, please. No, no, no. But it was it was lovely. Um, is that, you know, play is not something we can control. It, it's a bit, you know, we, we design something. And in our heads, because we've done this loads of times or we know it really well, we know what we really want people to get out. But we can be flummoxed when we suddenly realize that actually somebody's responded in a different way to that really good thing that we'd set up that we really wanted them to do. And we really wanted them secretly to do it in this way because then they'll really get it and they'll really <laughs> enjoy it. And instead, somebody else does something else entirely. We go, oh. And then I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself to, that, that people freely interpret and that if somebody's done something differently to the way I planned, that's not necessarily them getting it wrong. That is me learning that... That's something I hadn't foreseen. And we are, play is a risk. We are out of control when we play. You know, we may, you know, even if you play a board game with somebody you've never played before, you, you have no idea, do they follow the same kind of, have they got the same background and conditioning about how to play board games? You know, is it fair and square? Or is it out, outlandish gamesmanship? You know, are they going to treat cheat appallingly? Because actually that's part of the fun. But is it fun <laughs> for the other player? You know, all those things, it's... That, I think it's one of the things that we can never solve. We can try. It's a bit like saying to students, you absolutely must turn up to all of your lectures. And, and you know, there's always one who arrives with big eyes and says, oh, I'm really sorry, but can I have the notes? Could you just quickly tell me what I missed in the last two hours? And, you know, if I had a pound for every, every <laughs> academic who'd sort of, you know, clasped their head or come into a staff room and gone... <laughs> because they've had an experience you know um so I think yes that is that is something that can happen with play it can happen with all sorts of things if you give a lecture somebody might come in halfway through and then in the question and answer at the end say oh but you didn't mention x and you think oh but I did you just weren't here so anyway anyway I don't know why I'm ranting but <laughs> clearly clearly it's accord with both of us um, <laughs> it's, it's it's something that uh something that you know from your academic days i know you're not now but uh something that you haven't got no as you were saying all that alison i was just thinking it's it's always like not everyone's going to play or be yeah up front at the start and so yeah. if you focus on the five percent in the room that are sitting back or aren't giving the energy or don't want to be a part of it, yeah. you're actually missing yeah. the 95 that are in there and yeah. as you you sort of gave me permission to not let that affect me. I, I still struggle with it, yeah. but 
you know, still see the impact it's having on the people that are in the room because you can never, you can never change it. But also like what you were saying, as when you're playing, don't ever, don't be judgmental. You've got to be curious because whatever you, you set people up and everybody will go down a different path. I don't know. Remember those books where you'd read and you go, if you want to jump off the waterfall, go to page 54. Or if you want to drive the car, it's like, choose your own adventure. And so if you're, if you're thinking where people are going to go, you're missing the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, and I I have questioned in my booking and other things, you know, a lot of the the play theory will will point to certain characteristics about play and they will say it's freely chosen, it's voluntary, it's open-ended, it's this, that and the other. But actually the forms of play that you and I organise probably aren't necessarily all of those things. Yep. You know, it's it, it may be freely chosen in that somebody's come to my workshop, they've gone to your session. Uh, it may be voluntary. Well, nobody's forced them to go unless, of course, there was a three line whip and somebody said this department is <laughs> going to do blah blah training or play training on x day um and it's open-ended so i think you know and quite often though um play for academic purposes or in training purposes and whatever isn't always open-ended because we know the goal that we want people to get to we know the thing that that we want them to learn but i think so i think we have we have play as we use it you and I in sort of semi-formal sessions, however free and accommodating and enjoyable and friendly and whatever they are, is those kinds of very purist characteristics of play are always going to be a little bit attenuated. But I think one of the things that um, a number of the participants in my study talked about when they talked about their play experiences, wherever it's possible, was the importance of the debrief afterwards and being able to say to people, how did that feel for you? You know, if you were right in the heart of it, what made you want to be in the heart of it? If you felt less engaged, what was going on? And, and you can, you don't necessarily want to you know, say, you, Jonathan, in the corner, who just made no effort at all. What was wrong with you? You know, you're not, you're not doing that. We're not shaming. You're not shaming. No, absolutely. <laughs> At one play conference I went to, they had a lovely thing called the, uh, it was something like the feedback waste paper basket. And you basically wrote your thoughts on a piece of paper and you screwed it up and you threw it across the room to try and get it into the waste paper basket. That's and brilliant. so that's, that's one of many anonymous ways that you can get a sense of, um, you know, where people were feeling during an activity. And then you and then you can you can either read out a few and have a chat with the group about it or whatever, or or you know, or not, as the case may be. Um, and so I think if there's possible, if it if you if we have the luxury of a play debrief, I think that's that's really helpful. Um there is, of course, there's the other thing is, is it possible in the kinds of play that we have to allow for different levels of participation. Um, you know, if if we're, uh, you know, I don't know, let's imagine we're on a pirate ship. You know, who wants to be the captain? Who wants to be the pirates? Who who wants to be the person who's making sure the barrels don't go overboard? You know, because the, the person who's making sure the barrels don't go overboard can be, you know, in a nice, quiet, more passive role. And the Jonathan, person to be, Jonathan at the back, like you said before. Jonathan is definitely going to be by the barrel. <laughs> Jonathan is barrel boy. Whereas, you know, Brenda, that's you know, Brenda might say, Oh, I absolutely I want to be the first captain pirate female, <laughs> non-gender specific. And so Brenda will be captain, and then there'll be everybody else who wants to be other things. Are there any roles we haven't thought of? Is there a role you'd like to pick? What would your role look like? So I think there are lots of ways. It's about, if I think about all the things we've said so far, you know, it's about how we prepare people to play. Um, and we don't, we also, we don't want to take away the surprise. We don't mm. want to say in this session, these are all the things that you will be doing so you don't get a shock. Because that's not the point. We often need play to, to have people experience something that might disorient them. They may not know how to do it. They may feel a bit weird doing it. Um, it may be, out, you know, whatever it is. I mean, obviously nothing dodgy. Um, and then it, it is afterwards, the learning comes from, you know, what did you notice? What did you, because we're kind of, 
almost like almost like an escape room. We're setting the clues and we're providing the activities so that actually our participants can find out things for themselves. And hopefully they'll find out the things that we wanted them to find out. But, you know, in education, we've always got the wonderfully phrased unexpected learning outcome. And that is, you know, that's that's the thing we didn't see coming, but they got out of that session. And that is fantastic. You know, that's precious. And then if somebody comes up with something that isn't what we want to hear, then we have to think about why why that is. I think also going back to my point about choices, you know, at the end of the day, some people, a few maybe, I think you and I maybe are the kind of people that we so badly want to do a great job for the people we're working with is that for us, nothing, nothing less than 100% of our participants thinking that was mind-blowing will do so if 99 percent say that was mind-blowing and one of goes says yeah it was all right we go oh my god i'm a failure one you know <laughs> that one person probably jonathan um, <laughs> i was gonna say you know, that oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know and you suddenly think oh my god where, where did i go wrong you know what did i miss what did i didn't do right rah, rah, rah. but everybody you know we can't legislate for what people will get out of play all we can do is to create something that we feel will enable the maximum level of participation for those who give to it. And, and after that, you know, and all the stuff about psychological safety and, you know, respect and safe space and things staying in the room and not making anybody feel silly or humiliated, all those sorts of things, you know, um, are really important um so yeah it's I mean it's it's as we as you and I know you know the more you organize play activities for learning in whatever form they take the more there is to learn there are more yeah. there is that you discover yes you consolidate lots of things you know the things that tend to work really well the things that that feel more high risk to you uh, but we all you know we all want to try things out um well actually no that's not true if only if only we all as educated want to try things out but there will be people who who are quite happy with what they're doing and yeah. and maybe that's because if it ain't broke don't fix it but perhaps it's also because they they think it's okay as it is and maybe maybe that's true but maybe it isn't maybe it needs a bit of shushing up maybe their students are finding that's a bit of a dull unit or or you know the, the the training course they went on, or or whatever. Um, you know, years ago, and I'm going to sort of take out any product names from this, so I can't possibly be sued. But um, <laughs> there was I went on an obligatory training course within an organisation, which was all about the finance system, how to operate the finance system. It was a three-hour workshop, and it was entirely done with screenshots on PowerPoint oh. with a monologue no handouts, arcane language, you know, finance systems always have really weird names for things. You know, it's never press this button for pay or press this button for something else. It's always completely obscure terminology that none of us can relate to as normal people. Within 10 minutes, Dale, I was on YouTube. I was showing my boss chicken videos. I was, you know, I was absolutely beside myself, but I was also, I was enraged because I thought, I'm sitting at the back of a room and you have no idea how badly your approach is not working right now. Now, if you had gamified it, if you'd simulated it, if you'd let me do something hands-on, if you'd, if you'd incorporated elements of play or interactivity, or even just activities where we could sit down and have a go for ourselves, I still would have been bored out of my mind, but I would have learned something. And I turned into the worst, worst possible form of student <laughs> ever, because, because it was just, it just didn't work. And you just, yeah. Well, I think. I, I don't know like where I was going with that. I was no, clearly but... just in. No, no, I, I would have liked to. I would like to see that. And I think what you're just saying there, Alison, is, and I get this all the time, is that just trying something new is better than not doing anything at all. And half the time, if it yeah. doesn't work, that's even better because yeah. at least you have tried something. People actually respect yeah. and can appreciate that yeah. you have tried to do something to build engagement yeah. and make it more engaging. 
And when it's not done, I think it's a cop out. It's a kick in the teeth. And it's like, it's disrespectful for the people that are sitting there watching chicken videos. No, I agree. I agree. And I think, um, I think also we pick our moment, don't we? And I think actually most of the time, if people believe in you, they, however long you've been working with them, you know, you, I, I find that if I, if I, I can, <clears throat> I think of years ago, I listened to um, uh, a theatrical um, educator so not my field, but this woman had had a lifetime of work in theatre and music. And she just stood up and she gave a keynote lecture. But I was riveted from the moment she spoke. It wasn't a playful lecture, but it was, she, she there was something about her ability to speak, her, her the story she told, the command of her subject. So I was instantly won over. I spent half an hour listening to this woman and I believed in her utterly. So if I'd then gone and done a workshop with her, I think I'd have done anything she would have asked me to because there was that trust. You know, you don't need to work with somebody for a year to build up trust. That can that that sense that actually you're in good hands can can come quite quickly. You could get to the end of a day with a workshop and think, well, I'm, I'm really not, you know, I didn't totally buy into that. My, my chicken video example for one. So I, I think, you know, there comes a time in, in, a, in a session, I imagine with your participants, as I do with mine, where maybe I've had this thing in my head and I'm thinking, oh, I'd quite like to try out so-and-so, but it's a bit, I'm not sure if it'll work. And, and, and you kind of gauge how well are we working together? How much do I feel they're buying in to this play experience? And you can ask the question to say, look, I, I just thought we could you know what I I was going to do X, but we, we, we could try out Y. Um, I'll be honest with you, I haven't done it before, but you know, would you like to give it a go? Uh, it's it's a mystery, and actually, most of the time, people will say yes. Yeah. You know, because you've established you've established some kind of connection. First off, obviously, if you were to walk into a room full of bankers who are expecting you to tell them about no, no offense to bankers, she says quickly. Um, <laughs> And and you you stood up and you said, hi, my name's Dale. I've never, ever done this before, but I want you to stand up, get your jackets off, and we're all going to do wrestling or something. You probably have them all, you know, leaving the room or, or not. You know, they might think, hey, this is great. You know, no presentation. <laughs> so I think we, we, we gauge our moment. But I think if if people have that sense that you know what you're talking about and you 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 care about them as participants, not in a mushy way, but you have respect and integrity for the fact that they have given up their time to, to work with you, then, then you know, you do get that opportunity. And then of course there's the deep debrief, the, the, the debrief afterwards, you know, you can ask the kinds of questions to explore the, the extent to which that worked well or not, or they enjoyed the play or whatever. What of course you don't want to do is, is to try and dissect play before or during because it takes you know the, the the fun and the spontaneity out of it which is one of the reasons you know one of my participants was saying it's really really hard to do um in the moment play research because because you're either observing somebody playing and you're a bit of an interloper and they may already be adjusting their behaviors because you're in the room or alternatively you've been there so long they just forget you're there which is great um <laughs> Or if you then ask, oh, no, why did you do that? Do you remember when you did blah? You know, and actually that that can really kind of stultify a play experience. So, you know, that's that's difficult as well. Um, I'm sure there are lots of people who are doing fabulous play research who will say, no, 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 I, I've got this down pat, which is great. Tell Dale all about it and then he can tell me. <laughs> um, but it is something that can be, can be difficult, probably diff different with kids. Um, because they just get on with it. But, but for you and I, you know, we, we work with play in adult learning contexts of whatever kind. And, um, you know, people are quite savvy um, and and and, and self-conscious. Yeah. Um, anyway. Big time. And I, I think what you just said there, and this is so true that if you, and I, I talk about this so much now, don't label anything. The moment you label something else and you give somebody the yeah. opportunity to judge yeah. it or make an opinion yeah. that it's yeah. not going to be suited for them. And particularly when it comes to play, people aren't, I shouldn't say this, but I'd say half percentage of population are looking for a reason not to enjoy it or not wanting to do it oh, or why yeah. it's not going to suit oh, them. Absolutely. Like, so oh. if you label it, they're already judging you and they're not going to do it and they're not going to learn because the learning takes place afterwards. So don't label it. That's simple. 
Oh, and I, I totally agree. And I've got I've got an, an experience um, that I do write about in the book that exactly illustrates that. So a few years ago, um, uh, when I was working at the University of Winchester, they had a fantastic initiative called Juniversity, which they ran uh, for a couple of years while I were there. They probably ran it for longer, but I, I wasn't around. Um, and university was an opportunity to invite children from local primary schools to come and spend a day at university, particularly cool. if they were from families who, for whom the, the natural trajectory wasn't school, university, whatever. So it was really they came and we laid on these days and they they brought their packed lunches and we did all sorts of play based activities. And on the two years that I was involved um, uh, I did uh, Lego based activities. We were in this fantastic, um, the students called, the pupils called it Hogwarts because it was this lovely old building which felt just like, you know, the dining hall at Hogwarts. And we had as um, alumni students or, you know, alumni of, of the university who came along and helped. The teachers were there, some parent helpers, blah, blah, blah. Brilliant stuff. I mean, it was, it was amazing to do. It was utterly exhausting. I had, by the end of the day, I had not doubled I'd I, I can't even think of a, a number big enough to talk about how much my re respect had been increased for primary school teachers you know these <laughs> kids were lovely but you know utterly <laughs> uncontainable um you know and, and you know all do all doing their own thing but we did this lego thing and and I um prepared some briefing notes for the student helpers or the alumni and um uh, the morning before we started um, the, the day, uh, I briefed them all and they all went off happy. And there was one lad there. So I, I did that sort of, you know, making conversation thing. I said, oh, you know, why are you here today? And he said, well, I just don't believe in any of this sort of thing. So I I, I know it doesn't work. Um, and I know Lego's <laughs> rubbish. So I've, I've, just, I've just come along um, to get the evidence to prove it. And, you know, when you kind of go, Whoa, was not expecting that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, know, I know. And then, of course, of course, for him, it's really easy because it's interesting because I, you know, I'd got my plan of the exercises we were going to do and, and the order in which we were going to do things and blah. But, you know, Dale, if you are in a room with 170 kids and they decide to go feral at any point, you know, you are not going to stick to the game plan. You're going to, you, you read the signs and you start thinking, no, we're not going to do that sitting down activity. We're going to shake it up. We're going to move them around. And of course, for this person, that was just another indication of, of why it didn't work. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, you know, when well, you had your game plan, but you know, you couldn't control them. So, you know, <laughs> and yet the funny thing was, was by the end of the day, the kids were happy, the parents were happy, the teachers were thrilled, the other student helpers were thrilled. But this lad, utterly convinced, oh no, the day was a car crash, car crash, you know, all these kids running around. Um, and And, you know, so that was really interesting. And I think I, I sort of went away from that day and I wrestled with it in my head for ages thinking, oh my God, what could I have done to have got through to him? And then after a while I thought, no, you twit, your, your focus is totally in the wrong place. Yes. The majority of people got something out of that day and he was never going to let you persuade him. Otherwise his mind was made up and we do have people who are very, very closed. And if people are determined to be closed, determined to believe that the earth is flat, determined to believe whatever, then, you know, us having a, the evidence and the logic to prove them wrong, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. So They're, um, they're, they're not going... Yeah, but no, they're not going. I think that's so true, and it, that's taken me a long time to get my head around. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, it's like if you get a hundred emails, ninety nine of them are amazing. You get that one that you know it's yeah. a lemon. I call them lemon suckers because they're just yeah. sucking lemons. They're finding negatives in positives. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what you do, it's going to be a negative. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, yeah. you can't please them. Like you really can't, Alison. So I think what you've mentioned today, particularly selfish, and I do a podcast because I'm selfish, I want to learn. You've given me permission for things that I struggled with myself because you struggle with it, and I'm sure other people do as well. You can never please everybody. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. And if you're trying to please everybody, you'll end up not pleasing yourself, which is probably yeah. the biggest thing that you can do wrong. So the last question before I want to get people where we can download the book because it's free and you're a bloody legend for doing that. What did you <laughs> learn about yourself on this journey, I know it was three years, you did so much research, everything like that. What did you learn about yourself? 
Oh, I learned so many things. I learned so many things about my ways of working, the things that distract me when I what when I procrastinate and why. <laughs> um, I think I learned, you know, I'd already done a lot of work in the area of play, but there's I, I just learned that there's still so much out there that that I wasn't able to tap into. And by the end of three years, actually, quite frankly, you don't have the energy. You need you know you need to pause. Um, but just, I think I I learned. I learned that actually, you know, as I think I said at the start of our chat, or maybe before we came online, you know, I was I was um, thinking that I had to come up with you know my position on play, and I sort of have come up with my position. But 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 you know I'm just conscious of so many different positions that might be more applicable depending on where people are and what they do. I think what I did learn in terms of the subject matter. So um, my funding body, Imagination Lab Foundation, uh, have a very strong in, interest in um, play and management education, and they're they're very into the intersections between the arts and sciences. In, um, imagination and play and, and the kind of relevance or impact these have on the teaching and management concepts and theories. Um, and so I promised them that I would have a section which was all, you know, a very dedicated theme throughout the book, which is about management education. And there is. And they they likewise gave me free reign to make sure that I could incorporate my interests, which is literally any any discipline, any form of play with adults, whatever. Um, and the, the big thing that came out of it, and I was so thrilled, was I started off, perhaps, again, it's it's about myth busting, but a lot of people will say certain types of play are associated with certain types of subject. You know, the performative play you'll find with your drama students and your humanities students, the, uh, the game play you will find with your um, uh, computer students or your business students and there's something else play you will find over here and that is true to an extent but what I actually found just in you know with the people who I talk to about their play is actually people are crossing boundaries all the time so the big big lesson you know I was so thrilled because I was able to sort of say if you're, if you're a management management educator and it will make you feel better to just go to the bits that talk about management go there because there's loads of stuff but if you're a management educator and you want to see what other people are doing, you got the rest of the book. And likewise, if you are, I don't know, uh, in healthcare, but you want to see what lawyers are doing or managers are doing or somebody else is doing, you've got the whole of the book. It's eminently transferable. So I think that was a huge lesson for me. I think that the the divergent and contradictory nature of play was hammered home. Um, I think on a personal level, you know, your greatest fear when you produce something like this is have I got something to say? Is it relevant? Um, will, 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 you know, will anybody care? And I don't mean that in a, in a kind of sort of soppy or egotistical way, but, you know, you know, you've written your book and there is something, maybe you didn't feel this, but for me, every time I publish something, I have that moment of terror just before it comes out and you think, oh my God, I've done it now. I've released it into the wild, you know. And, and actually what tends to happen, is you get great feedback and lovely ideas and people will use it in their way. It's like nobody will read the novel the way the novelist wrote it. They will bring to the, the novel they're reading. And I think that's that's what I realised um, would be would be the, 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 the same thing with this book. And I think also a bit like when you finish a PhD, you always finish a PhD. A PhD is never, ever, ever finished because there's always, you know, your final bit is always, you know, think ideas for future research, recommendations, think, things that you might have thought now that you didn't know five years ago, three years ago, whatever it is. And it's exactly the same with this. You know, I, when I was in the editing phase, I'd get an email and somebody would say, oh, did you know about blah, blah? Or um, I'd suddenly find somebody in Pakistan who would say, Oh, you know, and I'd say, oh, my God, you know, can you tell me about play in Pakistan? And they'd send me an email and I'd think, oh, my God, I'm what, why didn't I have all this stuff? I reviewed a wonderful book that's coming out in June or July this year, and it's called Ludic Pedagogy um, by two American um, two American educators. And it's a lovely book. But I reviewed their book 
And they started to read my work after I published mine and after they'd completed their manuscript. And you know, when you go, oh my God, we've been working, thinking and believing the same sorts of things and we've made no contact <laughs> on the opposite sides of the world. And it was, it, it, it's lovely. So I think, I think the thing that I have taken from the exercise, which has made me happy, is that I I do still, I don't have to be attached to a university to have something to say. I don't need to be attached to an institution to have a thriving academic life and a way of supporting people who are learning as adults. I can still contribute in a different format. Um, and, you know, I, I still have an academic life and it's taken on a very, very different shape to the one I had when I was working full-time within an institution, but I absolutely love that. It's giving me the opportunity to share some of my experiences and keep on learning, just like you said, Dale, you know, I, I want to keep on learning. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working with different institutions and I'm finding out what life's like where they are. And, and that's just a gift. It's wonderful. And I really, really am incredibly grateful to Imagination Lab Foundation because without them funding this work, I didn't take a penny from it. You know, I didn't take a salary or anything. My time wasn't built in. I was given freely. But what they did was they just said to me, we believe in you. Here's some money. Go do it. And then and then and then give it, you know, make your outputs available for free. And not many of us have that luxury in 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 academia. You know, one of the things also very quickly, because I know we're probably running out of time, is one of the things that you find when you're writing as an academic and you are in uh, either a professorial position or you're in a full time position of any description in an academic role in the university certainly in the UK I don't know what it's like in Australia there is the expectation how, how many things have you published where have you published them have you published them in a place that is sufficiently high level for it to look good for us when we have our next you know research activity what sort of things are you writing about do they actually fit our priorities and the blissful thing about this and I had to kind of keep reminding myself it was, it was the case was I made the rules. I chose the subject. It was up to me. Yes, of course, I had made a commitment to my funder, but it was so wonderfully loose that I could take it anywhere I wanted to go. And that, and knowing that actually I could, I could publish it on my terms. I could design it on my terms. I could take liberties with its academic structure because it's actually game-based, you know, around a, a form of I spy. Whereas if I was doing that for, you know, within the confines of an institution or for a particular form of publishing, I would naturally have had to conform to the ways they wanted to do it. And, and that gives you, what that does give you, even at my great age, is it gives you confidence. You think, gosh, I did that and I'm really happy and I hope it's useful. Well, so. it definitely, it definitely is. And I think what you just said, people can just hear the passion in your voice, Alice. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things that, you know, when uh, Richard Cheatham, lovely fella, introduced us, is yeah. very similar, yeah. like that energy and passion. And and like you just said, like what you're doing isn't work because you love it so much and um, that you should be so proud of it. I know you just said when you release something, you've released that many, you probably – I released one thing and I was just so glad I'd done it because I don't like writing. So, but for you, yeah. your writing is amazing and the way you do it's incredible and it is free. So for listeners, if you want to download the free PDF, amazing. It's so well designed to Elson. And we were speaking about that before. If you go to show notes 288 with Professor Alison James, there is a link on there. But Alison, you've also got a little giveaway today and I love it. I love a giveaway. What have you got for us? <laughs> I have got a little giveaway. Well, it's basically it's a little competition for uh, for your listeners, Dale. Um, so um, it's something I've done in, in, in a few other events and, and it's gone down really well. So I hope your listeners enjoy it, too. So in my book, The Value of Play in HE, a study, which, as Dale has said, is freely downloadable from my website, engagingimagination.com. Um, I'm going to come up with a quote from the book. And I'm going to read it out to you and I will read it out to you twice, nice and slowly. And what I want you to do is to see if you can find which page this quote comes from in my book. So here we go. 
And in case you're thinking, why on earth would I want to do that? The prize is, and I'm going to send a copy to Dale along with his own personal copy. The prize will be a fully printed, color bound, uh, ring bound copy of the book. Uh, it weighs a ton. It will take years <laughs> to get to you from the UK uh, to Australia. Ship. I can we'll tell you now. Have you on a ship? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it probably ought to go by ship. It's own personal <laughs> ship. Um, so you will, you can, you have the opportunity to win uh, a co the, the copy of the book that I'm going to send to Dale. Now it is strictly first past the post, so it might be that a number of you find the right quote and the right page, and you ping an email to Dale. But Dale is going to be final judge and jury here. So the first email that he opens that has the right answer is going to be our winner, and I will leave it to Dale to decide how he's going to make that you know, make that outcome public to you. So, okay, if you are listening now, here comes the quote. And it's an example. Suggesting that students work through an object metaphor protocol to explore their inner madman, following the madman architect carpenter judge model of writing. And I want to know who came up with the inner madman model of writing, in what year. I include a link to a university example introducing this model. And I want to know what page of my book is this written on? And when I say page, you will find in the PDF, there will be two kinds of page numbers. There will be there will be a shorter version and a longer version. So I want the three digit page number. Now, if your heads are reeling, if it's if it's either too late in the day or, or whatever for you, I'm going to read the quote again and I'm going to tell you what you need to come up with. Suggesting that students work through an object metaphor protocol to explore their inner madman, following the madman architect carpenter judge model of writing. So what you need to come up with is who came up with the inner madman model of writing? In what year? Which is the university that I include uh, has an example of the madman model? And of the page numbers that you might see in the PDF, which is the three digit page number that you can find this quote on? Perfect. Well, I love that, Alison. So for listeners out there, if you send me a message, an email, contact me any way you like. There's so many different avenues these days with social media and emails and um, all different platforms. So first person to do that, um, I will get one of those amazing copies. And it's so generous of you, Alison. I really appreciate that. Um, but to do that, you need to go to episode number 288. Down the bottom, you've got Engaging Imagination. And there is a link to go straight to Alison's book where you can download the PDF that is so well designed. It is an amazing read. Um, and like we said, the best thing about Alison is anyone can pick it up at any stage and find what they need. They don't need to read through the whole book. And I, I do recommend reading through the whole book, but I, I love that about it. And I think it's such an important thing because for different parts of different days or different weeks, we need something, we need different things. Um, and it's so important that you can yeah. be able to come to that. Now, thank you so much for being on the show. I've shouted, I, I wanted to ask so many more questions, but I knew this conversation would go somewhere. And personally, you <laughs> gave me permission to let go of things that were I've been struggling with. Like, and I think we spoke about that, and hopefully that resonates with somebody else. So, Alison, thank you so much once again for you know obviously writing this book and making it free for everybody, but you know giving up your time to come on the podcast for a third time. Um, I love it. It's been a bloody absolute blast. So, thank you so much. Oh, pleasure was all mine, Dale, and I look forward to podcast number four. Oh, that'll come up soon. So <laughs> thanks, Alison. All right. Take care now. Bye.